Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. But listen, Laverne, shit face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. And you have found the Barbecue Central show. If you missed the first hour, no problem. We're recording live, and you will get the first hour tomorrow. You'll get the second hour on Thursday. I'll talk to you about the best of here in a second. But if you're just tuning in, no problem. You missed Ray Lampy just a segment ago, and before him, Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. Still to come on this show, this hour, Sam the Cooking Guy makes his triumphant return to the show. And we will close out with Weber's Grillmaster, Kevin Coleman. A lot of smoke fire will be talked about there, so feel free to tune in if you have folks and friends and neighbors that have smoke fire and they have questions or they're trolling around on those Facebook forums and uh, groups. Make sure everybody's tuning in so they can hear right from Weber's mouth what's going on, and we'll be talking with them. That's 10.35 Eastern time for Kevin and about 12 minutes from now for Sam the Cooking Guy. Don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook, which is where you will also find a live video feed. So if you're watching me over on Facebook, hey, thanks for coming in. If you want to take part in the chat over on YouTube, hit me up there. I kind of monitor that. Not all the time, but I have a tendency to look at it here and again, just in case something great pops up there. I'll mix it into the show. Coming up this Friday on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, episode 114. Taking you back to March 6, 2012. Maybe you've asked yourself, what did Daniel Vaughn do before he got the gig as the first barbecue editor ever in the country, and that being with Texas Monthly? Well, he moved to Texas, and he was keeping a blog, if you can believe it. It was called Full custom gospel barbecue and the website was horrible and you hear it like four different times during this segment that john put together but it was like a f c g hyphen barbecue dot blogspot dot com it was like a free one he didn't even have a custom url at that point you could get the free version as long as it had blogspot in the middle of it making it look like a train wreck and that's what it was but that's what he was doing he was keeping track of all of the Texas barbecue restaurants through that website. And then through meeting Anthony Bourdain, the book deal and Texas monthly then approach. Now he's the very first full-time barbecue editor in the country and Texas monthly made him that position. So 
long way to go to get here to tell you that this was the first conversation I had with Daniel on this very show, and you can easily see why he ended up landing the job with Texas Monthly as we cruise through that interview. And it's always fun to see where the genesis of a guest comes from. And here is exactly where it happened on this show with one Daniel Vaughn. We had, or we have had many visits over the past eight years, and they've always been fun. They've always been informative. Sometimes they've been contentious, but not too much. Uh, Certainly this one is no different. And it's fun to hear how he gets going. And remember, Daniel Vaughn is a fellow Buckeye, not originally from Texas, wasn't born in Austin or Houston or San Antonio or anything. Uh, I think, you know, originally he's from around the Wooster, Ohio area, which is south and a little bit east of where I am here in Cleveland. So he's no original born Texan, but I think it's safe to say at this point that most Texans would accept Daniel as a true Texan at this point. Time in, the study, all that stuff. It's fun. It's exciting. So if you've always wanted to hear the first time that Daniel Vaughn was on the show, then uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast because that's the only way you can get the best of, of course, is through the podcast. Now, and then there's this. Gang, we're our own worst enemy. The list of reasons why other countries hate us is too long and, quite frankly, never-ending. This is probably nearing the top of the list at the moment. Anyone familiar with something called the coronavirus? How dare you! It's a thing. You know what else is a thing? Americans being stupid about things called the coronavirus. Why do I say that? Because according to WSOCTV.com, Channel 9... Corona beer is taking a hit because of the coronavirus pandemic. That's right. As the fears of coronavirus continue to spread a beer with a now unfortunate name, feeling the effects of the outbreak, Corona is taking a public relations hit because of fears over the name's similarity to the deadly virus. A recent survey of American beer drinkers found that 38% of those asked will not buy Corona beer and 16% are confused if Corona beer is somehow related to the coronavirus. How dare you? 5WPR, the company that conducted the survey and released the results earlier this week, also found that 14% of those who would normally buy Corona now won't do it in public. Won't do it in public? I think the only place you can buy beer nowadays is in public at a store that has the license to sell the liquor or beer to you. In Ohio, you can go to a gas station. You can go to the grocery store. You can go to Local 5 and Dime can't get liquor in those places like hard liquor. You have to go to the state store for that. That's a special place. State stores typically do sell beer, but it's mostly liquor. But 14% of those people are somehow obtaining Corona non-publicly, privately. Hey, Timmy, go to the store 
and buy old granddad a case of Corona. I don't want to be seen doing that. Uh Really? You're not buying Corona beer in public? A second survey conducted said that the buzz score for Corona beer has fallen from a high of 75 at the beginning of January to 51 at the end of February. The intent to buy the brand is also at the lowest it has ever been in the last two years. Sprout Social, a social media management company, said the connecting beer, Corona, and virus searches went up recently. Constellation Brands, which owns Corona Extra in the U.S., among other brands, took a 6% hit last Thursday in the stock market as the entire financial system falls because of the coronavirus fears. Overall, the company's stock was down about 18%, but the company's spokeswoman, Maggie Bowman, said the survey is misinformation or fake news and that sales are still strong. In the four weeks that ended February 16th, sales grew 5%. The company said that its customers understand there is no link between the virus and their business. You know what I think about that? Bullshit. If 14% of your consumers are not buying your beer in public, they think there's a connection. And 38% are confused. I'm sorry, 16% of 38% who will not buy Corona don't really know if the Corona beer is somehow related to the coronavirus. I don't even know how you can put that together. I don't even know where my worry level is on the coronavirus. I watched a video yesterday that said, if you are a healthy human, if you're not an infant and you don't have a well-defined or well-refined immune system, which you know infants don't, they just haven't been through it yet. Likewise, on the other scale, elderly immune systems compromised. Uh, They are at most at risk along with the young ones. But if you're in the middle like me, if you're relatively healthy from everything that I've read, that isn't on one side or the other. It's just medical news. Your body, if your immune system is healthy, should be able to fend it off like the flu or any other virus that's like the flu. And by the way, coronavirus is not new. Uh, Remember the bird flu? That was coronavirus. Remember SARS? Is that also the bird flu? That was coronavirus. This is just a different strain of coronavirus, the umbrella of uh, of sick coronavirus. My goodness. 16% of you corona drinkers are currently unsure if corona beer is related to the coronavirus. 16% of the 100% of 30. Crazy town. Just another reason why people hate us. Right here. Sam the Cooking Guy coming up out of the break. And we talk to you this time about Big Papa Smokers. By the way, Sterling Ball knocking down another grand championship this past weekend. That is three in four tries. Good job, Sterling. A Sterling competition, of course. Pun intended. Now, you know he's got these great rubs that are helping him win each and every contest that he's winning. Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all those. 13, to be exact. Perfectly balanced. 
giving your friends and neighbors the taste that they're looking for, obviously the judges as well. If you're looking for a little bit of change up on that or something to add to the Big Papa Smokers, you got to look at the West Coast offense, which involves adding a little Simply Marvelous Barbecue. Now, they also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce, so if you're into sauces or you want to try something new, or you just want to go off the reservation and uh, go sight unseen, trust me, this is something that you're going to want to check out. Granny's Barbecue Sauce, good all on its own, good for base sauce. You can tweak from there. They're also selling grills and smokers. That's right. We're going to be talking about pellet cookers a little bit later in the hour. However, if you want a versatile smoker that's easy to use, you can check out the Mac 2 Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa is the exclusive Mac dealer online, even offer special packages. Nobody else doing that. They also offer Old Hickory Ace BP, which is the only charcoal cooker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you have any questions about what you should be ordering, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Ask all your questions there. BigPopSmokers.com to shop. Otherwise, that's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. All right, we're back with Sam the Cooking Guy. Stick around. We'll be right back. Show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. And the segment brought to you by Smithfield. Head over to smithfield.com through the grilling season as recipes are trickled in from such world champion pitmasters like Chris Lilly, Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridlin. With mouth-watering flavor and no artificial ingredients, Smithfield Fresh Pork, quite simply, some of the finest pork out there that money can buy and a trusted choice of world champion pitmasters for use in competitions and in their backyard as well. And that website, once again, is smithfield.com. All right, it is the first Tuesday of the month, and he is back and ready to rock. Sam, the cooking guy, joins me. Hey, Sam. Greg, you good? I'm fine. How are you? How's the noise level? Um, it's probably going to be intolerable. Seriously? Yes. Okay. Well, we have this conversation. I will now go outside. Sorry. You know, I said I was going to try and do it from uh, my restaurant, Gray's. You know, here's a look it. this way. Wow. Look at that. It is. It is uh, both uh, nice but intimate. Uh, there you go. Yeah. And so, what did you say? Oh, as long as you've got those whatever the headphone thing, you're going to be fine. And then, no, I got like just complete shit just now from you. So I'm going to go outside. Right. Hold on. Is I'm it, walking it, out of the restaurant. Is it good enough weather for you to go outside? Like, if you told me to go outside right now, I'd be freezing. It's San Diego. <laughs> I'll let you do that math on that. How dare you? Man, oh man, look at you. So here, you can have, this is your view behind me. I like it. That now how's, the, how's the sound out here? Uh, well, this is much more tolerable. Okay, or this way towards the fountain. Wow. Yeah, both. Uh, 
Um, look at that guy uh, videotaping behind you to your right. See that guy? I got him right here. Hold on. Look at him. He's like, look at me. I'm in front of the fountain. I love me. I love me. Let's make fun of him. <laughs> you just did. Yeah, I did. Wow, we. Okay, here, let's try this. Let's try this. I mean, look, I can go to, do you want me to go to a very quiet spot? Um, You're the one that said that this was going to be okay. Well. I, I see you don't like this. All right. Uh, can, do you want to just call me on the phone? No. Oh, shit. All right, I'm going to try something right now. Hold you on. can just call me on the phone. It's fine. No big deal. What's the, I got to go inside then. No, I can do this. Oh, Hold right. on. Oh, shit. Just stand up and tell everybody to shut up. Don't they listen? I have to down a drink. Hold on, hold on. I can't take this drink where I'm going to go. Hold on. Where are you going to go? You can't take a drink. Oh, my God. Look at this guy. What are you, 20 years old? I feel like it. Okay. No doubt. So here's the deal. Yep. Um, Where I just came out of, this restaurant, Gray's. Yeah. Sign is up there. You can't see it. And the Little Italy food hall behind me here... Where Not Not Tacos is. Yep. Uh, have a alcohol license. We love your oh, Shut up, Thank lady. You. Beat it. Get out of here. He's on the radio. Get out of here, lady. Come on. Thank you. How do you say out of that? Man, celebrity. So, Look at you. Big shot. So this this whole piazza behind me, yeah. where all these people are, yeah. this is licensed that you can have alcohol out here. It's the only place in San Diego. That allows for, hold on. That allows for drinking out in public in this area. So you don't get arrested for like open container or something like this. Oh no. Oh no. It's gone. It's gone. I knew it. I knew it. Damn it. He's probably right in that weird uh, Wi-Fi connection area where he's changing over, but, you know, it's not there. In my defense, I did say, use the phone. Oh, totally lost now. All right. He'll be coming back. I did say, use the phone because, you know, it's my show and I know what can work. My mind only works in worst case scenarios not medium case scenarios not best case scenarios so when we connect oh and i hate that i hate that all right we're back on board wow look at where are you at now that's even sexier than the last place wow we i'm in the lobby of my building oh okay wow so 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 not not tacos and grays are on either side of that piazza the whole piazza is licensed for alcohol, but I literally could not walk into this building mm. with a drink in my hand, or I could uh, subject our license to forfeiture, and I don't want to wow. do that. Really? So you yeah. can drink outside, but you can't drink. You can't bring the drink inside. That seems completely counterintuitive. No, it, it, here's the no. It isn't. Uh, it makes sense. I'm not going to go into it. All right. Just, just be comfortable I'm with fine. it. And I'm fine. I appreciate I, you I, putting I, in the legwork here to to get somewhere quiet after I told you it would be fine, and it wasn't fine. It would be fine. Yes. What do I know? Now, well, apparently nothing. I, apparently. Now. How are you? Great. Um, let me ask you this question before we get into uh, the the Grays talk, and then of course. 
this uh, completely new restaurant that I found out about like a month and a half ago that uh, after you were on like two days later, you were into like this third restaurant. We'll get down here in a second. Do you have any Wuhan bat recipes that you're working on at this point? In fact, there's a stew that I've been uh, working my way through slowly. Yes. But as you can imagine, it's very difficult to get bats out of Wuhan right now. Yeah. Um, they're on a boat, apparently, and they're going to be here. And right. um, I don't know when. I'm hoping soon. But until that point comes, yeah. um, I can only use American bats. And uh, it's not the same thing. No, it's like uh, using choice beef and not Wagyu. It does not have nearly the same flavor, yeah. cachet, or Wuhaniness, or or, Lud- or level of disease. Yes, of course. Yeah, we get, we don't want the level of disease. By the way, no, we um, sure don't. Now uh, we joined you in Gray's. Uh, not not tacos has been out for uh, quite a while doing great business. Um, Gray's yeah. is open. It's smaller. There's not a kitchen. You said you have one of those. Starbucks type of uh, ovens. I have, I have a Turbo Chef that you can see at any Starbucks. We just have, a, yeah. I, I think, a larger version of it, but still, it's the same same concept. Do you have a thought now that you're? I mean, what do you like officially in a couple weeks open now to the public? If that two weeks. All yeah. right. So, what, what is your thought two and three weeks in? And I'm asking you from this point of reference. Uh, you had a two week reference point of not not tacos so how do we can how do we compare those and can we compare those mm, it's you know uh the cooking situation at not not is is definitely easier everything almost everything comes off a flat top it's one kind of simple system tortillas go on one flat top the proteins go on another they come off, they go on the line, the tortillas get built with, you know, the cabbage or the sauces or whatever, and then the proteins go on and then they get finished and they go out. Uh, we don't have that luxury at, at Gray's. We have this machine. That being said, I'm learning to really love this machine. It's crazy what it can do. I, um, I have had to re, rethink recipes that I normally would cook a different way. This machine, and I, I may have told you this, you know, in one of our um, offline conversations, um, it has three different ways to cook. It's a convection oven to All start right. with. Right. There's heat that comes from the top. There's heat that comes from the bottom. And then there's microwave. And you can add percentages of each as many different ways as you want. So, for example, our, our flat breads that go in that are, you know, they're like this thick. Uh, they go in for two minutes. There's virtually no microwave. It's bottom heat and top heat. And they come out crispy and gorgeous and amazing. I'm so proud of them. But we do this meatball thing. That's, it's a meatball we make that's in a puff pastry. And it's all cooked. Uh, we make the meatballs separately, whether we cook them. Then we take the puff pastry and we put it in a thing in the meatball with marinara and cheese in it, and then we bake that. So it's essentially mm-hmm. baked and it's in our refrigerator drawer. Then we've ha- figured out how to take it out and get it in this machine mm-hmm. so that the puff pastry stays crispy when you're reheating it, 
but the meatball heats through. So there's a certain amount of microwave that we've had to add to that, or this, you know, two ounce meatball about that big gets heated all the way through. Because that's got to be the biggest hurdle. I know when I'm reheating spaghetti and meatballs at my house, hundred percent. It's it's tough if you're going to leave, and I always end up whacking the meatball into four or five different pieces because it's just going to heat easier. You don't want to do that in a presentation situation for a restaurant. No, it's a, that's exactly right. So I've had to, you know, it's one thing to figure out, I want to serve this and I know how to put this in my oven and have it come out 15 minutes later. Beautiful. Yeah, right. But I don't have 15 minutes for that in a small restaurant like this. People don't want that. This is a different environment. It's a shareable thing. It's not like you order a steak and you're okay with it coming out a half an hour later because there's going to be a salad and an appetizer. These are all small shareable things that they want to come out relatively quick. So it's been a challenge and a huge effing pain in the ass in the beginning, but I've learned to love this machine so much, so much that that the next restaurant 100% will absolutely have one, maybe two of these. Really? For certain things. Wow. And I've said this. I said, look, Starbucks uses it. I go, imagine like this is a Ferrari. And, and Starbucks uses it to drive, Starbucks uses it to go to the end of the driveway. They get in, they start it up, they go to the end of the driveway, they pick up their mail out of the mailbox and they go back to the garage. Yeah. We get in it and we take it out on the freeway and we open it up. Yeah. I think we're using it in a much more aggressive, fun way than Starbucks is, but that's what their need is. Their need is an English muffin with turkey and an egg white yeah. patty. Double inside. smoked that, bacon sandwich. That, that's all they're doing. And I get that, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm not knocking yeah. them. I'm just saying that this machine has so much promise, and we're trying to use it every way we can. Sam, the cooking guy, joining me here on the show, thecookingguy.com, his website. Uh, what percentage of sales at Gray's is food, and what is drink? Like, are people going uh, to drink and also eat, or are people oh, going to oh, eat and then also, did I just get myself confused? Are people going to drink and then also grab a bite because they're there, or are they you got, reversing? You got everybody confused. Yes. Um, yes. Thank you. The, the alcohol is about, um, about 60%, maybe a little bit less. So people are coming to drink first and then grab a bite while they're there? Um... I don't know. I know I'm, the, the percentage is, Maybe it's made, you know, no, no, no. I don't know why they come, but the dollars that are spent on alcohol are greater than the dollars that are spent on food. So would you say that you are first a craft cocktail and, and drink place that serves some pretty decent food or are you not willing to you know, put any real labels on it? It's just a place to go. And, no, and I, I, look, I think drink. I think we've got a really uh, strong wine program. Oh. We've got uh, 10 uh, beers on tap. We have a wine you can buy to go. You, we have wine you can buy there. We have beer you can take away. That It's a bottle shop, which, you know, bottle shop sounds like, like you're club. in the middle of a strip. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. So it's slightly more sophisticated than that, but. But people can come in, they'll get a flatbread for, you know, like 12 bucks. But a couple cocktails will be, you know, twice that. Yeah. Just the way it is. 
So, and I'm okay with that, and they're okay with that. So the the food dollars are not nearly what the alcohol dollars are, and you know what happens. The people like to drink, and then one cocktail leads to another one, and then some wine, and then you know that that's how it goes. So it's, but it's fun. But for me, what's fun is, you know, we this meatball thing that we do. I've done on YouTube, <laughs> and you know when we open not not tacos. Two of the tacos we opened with still have are very popular, the mashed potato taco and the, the shrimp taco. People said to me, dude, look, you can't put in your restaurant shit that you've done on TV that's in your books that you've done on YouTube. Why? That's what I said. I go, why not? And they go, why would somebody pay for something that they know how to make at home? And I go, you are missing a very important concept of the restaurant business. I go out to eat for a m- many reasons. One is I don't want to make an effing thing. Yeah. Two is I don't know how to make whatever it is that I want. Three is I don't give a shit. I just want to go out and have somebody make stuff for me. Right. And so the shrimp, ta- uh, the shrimp taco, which I named after my wife, Kelly, where I get the crap kicked out of me. Uh, is been the third most selling taco we have. Hmm. The mashed potato taco, it's right up there. The meatball thing and the crispy um, puff pastry that we have over here at Gray's, it's huge. It's like the number one selling thing, number two selling thing. Even though those meatballs, you could go to uh, Sam the Cooking Guy on YouTube, find the recipe and make it right now. And by the way, it's a damn good meatball. And I think the key to it is it's pork, it's beef, and it's veal. But the real secret is that there's ricotta in it. Oh. It helps keep it moist and tender and delicious. Breadcrumbs, too? There's always a little bit, of course. Eggs? Yeah, we pan- panko. Yes, of course. Yes, all right. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not yes, asking for anything yes. top secret. No, it's not top secret. It's on the thing. Look, we've pulled QB, the curtain QB back. mayo? Oh, it's funny. No? We've pulled the curtain back on so many things we've done. Yeah. And who cares? Well, I've said for a long time before I got into the restaurant business, you go to a great restaurant, a restaurant that's confident in what they do, and you eat a salad or you have an appetizer, and then you go away and you get home, and you're thinking about how good it is. You, you email or you text or you call and you go, can you tell me what the ingredients were for that salad? And they're going to tell you because they know it's not about the ingredients. It's about the environment, the experience, the way it's plated, the whole thing. Um, Restaurants that are confident in what they do happily give up recipes. Could you do this? Could you and Max search through the food videos that you've done, pull out the top six most viewed videos from a food standpoint, and and then put them on a menu at uh, you know, not knock or great, or, or you know this this new one that we're you know, we're not going to be able to talk about it because we don't have the time. But you know this new restaurant. Could you do a uh, Sam the Cooking Guy YouTube channel special menu for the week, and you pull out the top five or six? Is that an idea that you guys have talked about? No, but it's an idea you've talked about. Yeah, I mean, what? So I mean, that would be the antithesis of whatever the dumbasses were telling you not to do. But for the majority of us, that would seem like it would be. A really cool thing to go in and have you know Sam and the crew make the stuff that we've seen you make. Like, to me, it's it's totally a, a win because certainly you've given me the blueprint to do it myself. 
Yes. But that it almost adds an extra level of, of heightenedness to be in your restaurant and have somebody cook your dishes for me to experience. I think that would be I, super I like that. cool. That's interesting. If somebody asked me the other day, is this next restaurant, which is yet to be named, will it be like your YouTube channel? And I said, look, it'll definitely be more like my YouTube channel than Not Not Tacos or Gray's, 100%. It's not going to be everything off the YouTube channel, but it will for sure be more because it's, it's that kind of restaurant. It's, you know, it's proper restaurant. It's proper kitchen. It allows for the, the, the stretching out of how we do things, you know, what we make, the breadth of menu, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can tell you this. It will have one damn strong and fine uh, brunch program because it's my favorite part of the day or weekend or whenever you have brunch. Sunday, I, I think. It, so. You have brunch on Sunday. In Cleveland, you have brunch on Sunday. That's it. What happened Saturday? You're you're tying up the people you've know. got kidnapped I in your basement. Sam, time for a new joke. I hate to say it. We can't you, do it. You anymore. can't. You, oh, wait, you, you can't do it. Why can't you have a Sunday I'm brunch? I'm just Saturday telling you, brunch. if you come to Cleveland, brunch is on Sunday. There's no brunch I on Saturday. Okay. I don't okay. Know. I'm going to tell you this. I've had plenty of Saturday brunches, and they've been effing delicious. I bet, but it's a different Same. lifestyle over in one of the most beautiful places in the country. That's cute, but yeah. by the way, that joke about tying up people in your basement, oh, nev- you. never going away, never? No, matter how mu- uh, no matter how many times Greta Thunberg says, how dare you? How dare you? She'll keep uh, saying it. She can say I'm it more sure. than you can joke about, I think. Uh, You've got her tied up in your basement, apparently. What? How dare you? Outrageous. Now, uh, look, I've uh, I've kept you, I've pulled you out of the restaurants. Uh, obviously, people were trying to get a piece of you as you were milling through the gardens there, uh, so I don't want to keep you any further. Plus, I have uh, Weber pellet grill stuff to talk about with uh, Kevin Coleman on the backside of this. So, as uh, always, as by always. By the way. Yeah, go ahead. By the way, I'm listening to that. I, I'm, oh, yeah? I'm waiting for, waiting to hear everything that the uh, Weber guys has to say. All right. Well, we'll have to see coming up next. But in the meantime, uh, thecookingguy.com is where you can find Sam website-wise. Check him out on the YouTube where you now have 1.53 million subscribers, which I think is pretty much everybody in the country at this point. And the first Tuesday of the month, you can find them right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Sam, as always, my friend, thanks so much for coming on, and we'll see you again next month. You're the best, bro. Thanks, Greg. All right, you got it. Look at this guy uh, making room for me. He (laughs) Okay, uh, you told me where to go. You told me it would be okay here in the restaurant, but... Evidently, it's not. I know. I'm sorry. It's my fault. But he fixed it. That's why he's a pro. All right, quickly, let me talk to you about Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market. They have a Choice line, which is the original. They have a Prime line, which is their latest release about a year ago. Prime, a little bit more robust on the build. You have the peeking windows and the cooking chamber on the pellet hopper, two internal meat probes great Wi-Fi interface, all the fun stuff. If you don't want to spend the extra cash on that, Choice Line is certainly a great option for you to choose. I have two Choice Cookers, and I have a new Prime Cooker in the garage yet to be put together, but I'll try to do that here over the next couple weeks. Because I think winter is pretty much it. It's not supposed to be any colder than 35 degrees here over the next 7-8 days. I'll take it. 
They also have pellets and accessories and all the good stuff for you to choose from. So head on over to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And don't forget, if you have a Jim Bowie or a Daniel Boone, the pizza oven is also something that you want to check out. Get that. Pizza is fun. High heat pizza, even better. And you can do it right there on the Green Mountain Grill if you're not going to use it for uh, the barbecuing and the high heat and all that other stuff. GreenMountainGrills.com. We are back with Kevin Coleman and Weber. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Sam, the cooking guy, for joining me last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories to choose from, whether you're a beginner or professional. Definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Ten years in the biz, and they're going to be hosting some stuff for NBBQA coming up here in a few short weeks, so be sure to head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com. Hey, the pellet cooker market continues to gain popularity, right? You know it. And there has probably been no single... Single single bigger release in perhaps pellet cooker history than the product we'll be talking about here over the next segment. That, of course, is the Weber Smoke Fire as we welcome back Weber's real master, Kevin Coleman. Kevin, how are you, buddy? I don't hear you. Oh, dear. Hello? Hmm. A survey. I got you off mute. That's good. I'll just try and call you right back. Maybe there's a little hiccup in the worldwide internet. Oh, oh, I think I heard him coming back there. Try it again. Oh, dear. Kevin. No, I don't got you. Getting some kind of feedback. So we're almost there, but we're not there for some reason. <laughs> that is the weirdest loop I've heard ever. We want a phone call in. Let me see here. Go here. I just shot you the call in number there, so if you want to Do I have a it's an audio call? Hmm. All right. Trying to go. Cell phone here. So stand by. If we have to go long, I mean, we'll go long. I don't care. We'll get it in. 
Let me just pull up the cell phone number here from Mr. Kevin. And we'll get rocking and rolling. And we'll go to the calls. Oh. Uh, this is a tragedy. When it's all working against you, it is all working against you. All right. Uh, I don't want to say it out loud. Give you guys the number. Here we go. And we're connecting. This has to work, I'm sure. Sir. Kevin. Yes, sir. I got you. Here we go. All right. A little technical difficulty there, but uh, we are rocking and rolling now, which is the way we love to do it. So I uh, appreciate you making time for me this evening. So first questions first, Kevin. What's your best 5K time? My best 5K is about 24 minutes and about 45 seconds, which for a, a 42-year-old, that's not too bad, I don't think. All right. Good for you. That is that is a solid pace, no doubt about it. Um, but understand, I'm fueled. I'm fueled by smoke and fire. So just <laughs> let's we'll throw that out there first. <laughs> are you uh, are you like uh, um, EPA compliant, like my uh, tractor trailers are? Or are you burning a little dirtier? We, we like to burn a little dirtier because mm-hmm. if you're not cheating, you're not winning, right? Yeah. So you got to make sure you got a little bit of stuff going on there. That's right. No doubt about it. Uh, Kevin Coleman joining me here on the show, Director of Brand Education, Weber's Grillmaster. Weber.com is the website, by the way. All right, Kevin, are you ready to get uncomfortable? Greg, I'm, I'm always uncomfortable. You let's should wear get, the clothes I have to wear sometimes. Let's get uncomfortable. I saw that sweatshirt the last time you were on. I mean, that looked pretty yeah. comfortable. But all right, let's get uncomfortable. So look, uh, in no particular order, and, and we're talking about smoke fire tonight, of course. Um, let's uh, let's start here. From a conversation standpoint at Weber, um, whatever you're allowed to share with us, uh, what what are the conversations that are happening right now at Weber about smoke fire since its release? We're a couple, you know, two three weeks out at this point with people getting it in their hands and going through the paces. What do you uh, what are you guys hearing from the corporate office? Yeah, over overwhelmingly, we are 100% taken back by how well this grill has gone into the marketplace and how much people are are talking about it. We didn't think it was going to have as big of an impact as it's had. And it is, I mean, 24 hours a day, seven days a week being talked about, which is pretty fantastic. I don't think there's been a, a, a grill that's been out in the last five to 10 years that's been talked about more. Um, and, and the exciting thing is, is we've had a a few things that people have gotten really excited about. And we've had a lot of things that people are cooking and getting excited about. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that in this day and age, everybody likes to get on the social media sites and post what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, and for this grill, we did not expect it to have as big of an impact as we've had, which has been really exciting. All right, Kevin, let's uh, take a quick stroll back. Uh, When you were on in November, you had mentioned that you had, you know, roughly 800 or so hours of testing on this unit personally. Were you the only one that was testing or does Weber have, uh, I don't know if it's called beta testers or, you know, non-retail testers or whatever, you know, where it might be 10 people or 40 people or 100 people or whatever that number is. So you guys can uh, put smoke fire through its paces before it's released out to the general public. As much as I would like to say that I was the only person in the history of the world <laughs> to test this grill, which would be pretty cool, 
we have an extensive group of individuals that were testing these, not only in their backyards, but at our, our R and D facilities. And so we put them through, uh, so many hours of testing, cooking the Weber pellets, competitor pellets, um, grease tests, cooking tests, high heat tests. I mean, it, it ran through the gambit of what we thought was a really solid cooker that people were going to finally see a pellet grill and a smoker together as opposed to what they've seen as just a, a pellet smoker. If you get through some of the, you know, there's in Facebook, there seems to be quite a number of, uh, let's call it smoke fire group um, that are specifically related to this cooker. Uh, as people are bringing to the forefront issues that they're having, do you notice as somebody who has hundreds of hours on it and some of these other folks that were also testing in a beta phase, uh, did you guys have similar issues? And we'll get into you know some of the more uh, ones that I'm seeing over and over again. But you know, how many issues or things did you guys come across during the testing time that uh, you guys ironed out prior to this thing going to the market? Well, the exciting thing for us is we finally, you know, prior to Smoke Fire being launched, we weren't a technology company. Now we're a technology company. So we had to go through not only the regular testing that we do, like I have the one of the original Summit Charcoals in my backyard. I have one of the original Genesis in my backyard that I spent so much time on. So this is something that we constantly do. Adding the technology added a layer for us because it's now allowed us to have people interact with a grill like they've never been able to do before. And so being able to not only handle the technology, but then also how the grill performed. We were, this is one of the first times we've had to do both and to combine those two things and give uh, overall the majority of people a great cooking experience is, is something that we pride ourselves on because we spent so much time in the R and D and testing phase to make sure that this was going to pr- pr- produce the results that we wanted people to, to get in their backyards. That's been, you know, the legacy of Weber for over 60 years. Uh, Kevin Coleman joining me here on the show, Weber.com, the website. Uh, Kevin, it has been floated out through various Facebook groups that perhaps the smoke fire, uh, while it, and it uh, I struggle asking this question because I don't know if you can say rush to market considering how evolved the pellet cooker market has been. I mean, you're, you guys are literally the last ones to jump in at this point. But was the smoke fire rushed to market? Is that a true or false statement? That's a, a false statement. We've spent more time on this grill than we have um, some of our previous grills that we've come to market with. And for a lot of people out there, this is this is truly of a first of a kind. This is a first pellet grill and smoker. So people that are looking at this grill and cooking on it. The only experience that they probably have, very similar to myself, when I was testing every almost every pellet grill that was in the marketplace, major brand, um, for about nine months, that's the only experience I had. And when I got the, the smoke fire put in my backyard, and the first time I stirred a steak at a high temperature, I felt like I was cooking on a gas grill, right? And then I was doing low and slow stuff, and I felt like I was on a Weber Smoky Mountain or I was on a, uh, on a Weber kettle. So we tried to take the best of both of those worlds and put it in a grill, a true grill and smoker versus just giving somebody that's a smoker that's just cooking with a lot of the hot air, right? And so when you see some of the, the flurps that occur like you would see on a gas grill or even a charcoal grill, that's just normal performance that you would see out of a Weber grill. That's nothing new to us. That's something that our customers have, have loved and have had the best results um, in their backyard. So it's interesting on how, you know, Max Good, who I've, I've spent some time with him, 
he's cooking more and more because even out of his mouth was, this is a girl, this is something I've never been experienced before in my life. So I need to spend more time with it. And it isn't just a one or two cook thing. And like, let me give you a review. There's a lot more time that needs to be put into to really understand how and why we designed it the way we did. Uh, Kevin, when you hear the items that the smoke fire owners are talking about on the various Facebook owner groups, uh, is it alarming at all to the group or does Weber discount a, a certain percentage of whatever comments are being made and chalking it up to some kind of trolling or user error or something along these lines? Well, well fortunate for, for us is when you look at the online forums and videos, right? You might see a high percentage of smoke fire conversation, but when it comes to the people that are calling in the customer service, the people that we're servicing, that percentage is really low, right? So I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the trolls, but I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, everybody's having this, this huge issue because that's not the key. But what's important for Weber is being around for 60 years and priding ourselves on customer service, which by the way, is still here in Palatine, Illinois. They're, 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 uh, seven days a week answering calls. And that's one thing we always prided ourselves on and taking care of customers. It's one of those things that <clears throat> providing that service for people and actually looking at the forums and seeing what people are talking about is helping us think about how we can make this grow better. And because it's Wi-Fi connected, because it has the, the Weber Connect built into it in the June OS, we can update this grill and evolve it over time and truly give people a cooking experience in their backyard that they've never had before. And they're probably never going to have again. It's, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic what this grill can do. Is there any thought that a lot of this negativity might be fueled by competitors within the market? They're just sending people into these rooms and trolling it up as best they can in hopes of defeating you through some type of social media or anti-social media campaign. Well, I, I think in, in this day and age, we have the people that sit behind their computers and like to see drama. You see almost every reality TV show creates drama. And it's one of those things that, you know, just like a good fire, the more oxygen it has, it starts to, it starts to burn. And, you know, the fun thing about the world is it's big today and then it's gone the next day. If you don't have enough fuel and you don't have enough, you know, wood for your fire, eventually it's going to go out and, the people hit it hard early on and there was people that didn't have the grills that were commenting and other things, which was fun to watch. But now you're starting to see, and it was some of the comments that we made early on is like the people that are cooking, they're not commenting because they're cooking. And so now all of a sudden you've seen a swing the other way where people are showing their pizzas and their briskets and their shoulders and their beef ribs and all these crazy things, steaks that they're cooking. And it's drowning out all the rest of the noise that was just being, you know, kind of talked about, but not really with anybody that had application cooking on it. So, you know, it's a balance and it happens. It's not just a Weber thing. It's a, it's a, it's an industry thing. No matter what you say, someone's going to have something to troll you with, which I look forward to tomorrow morning and seeing what I, what's going to be written, written then, which I thank you for letting us be on so I can enjoy that in my morning read at 4 a.m. when <laughs> I wake up and start texting you about what's going on. So, No doubt about it. Uh, Kevin Coleman joining us here on the show. Uh, one final high-level question before we start getting into some of the specific stuff. Has there been any talk by Weber at all about doing any kind of recall on these cookers? Absolutely not. And, and you know, the, the, the interesting thing with some of the conversation out there, this is one of the only grills, I think, in the pellet industry that is CSA certified. So that's an independent safety testing lab 
that goes through this. And the other interesting thing that people don't realize is this grill actually has a sensor on it. So if the heat gets too hot inside that grill, it'll automatically shut itself down. Now that's something you don't see on a gas grill. You don't see on a charcoal grill and it's built into this grill. So the people that are talking about safety, that's one thing that Weber has taken so extremely seriously over time. And that's something that we are going to always be looking at and always be on the forefront of, because we want to make sure that people are having those same memories that they were taught, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago by their parents that they're still going to be able to have. And we want to be part of that, that memory bank. And so safety has always been important and at no point has been a, a recall ever talked about because the safety that's been built into this grill negates all that stuff right all right so let's get into some of the specific stuff um, uh, as i'm going through because you know i join all these and i love to see what people are saying and uh, just kind of sit back and, and watch what's going on uh number one and we've kind of touched on it here a few different times uh, grease fire hazard for instance uh, baby back maniac. I forget what his uh, real name is, but on YouTube, he's uh, baby back maniac. He's got a, a pretty uh, decent following, maybe twenty-five or, or thirty thousand subs, uh, and I might be off on that. But showing the aftermath of uh, what appeared to be a fire while he was cooking two pork butts. Uh, others have posted fires in some form or fashion on your on those cookers. So, uh, you know, your thoughts in general about uh, a the smoke fire being some kind of a fire hazard and of the videos that you've seen uh, things that you've been able to decipher from those as being a root cause. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, Justin baby back maniac, he's a great guy, cooks, great food, has a great following and he, and he has his opinion. Right. And, and I wish he would have spent more time. And I talked to Justin and said, Hey, I'd love to come down just to make sure I, the grill was put together correctly and the parts were put in it correctly. So it was, responding correctly and we didn't get that chance which is okay um and he gave his review and the thing is in in this day and age unless we're seeing what people are cooking and how they're doing it it's really hard to decipher what exactly went wrong because then the instructions would tell you make sure that you clean out the bottom portion after you get done cooking harry sue just posted a video that he cooked 65 pounds on his smoke fire he had a little bit of a flare-up that lasted two minutes closed the lid and it was out And that was all that he had there. And so it's really hard to understand how people are doing things because just like a gas grill or charcoal grill, if you're cooking over time and you're not cleaning it, maintaining it, you're most likely going to have some kind of issue with performance, no matter what's going to be said, right? And that's just not a Weber issue. That's just a grill issue in itself. And so it's really hard for us to decipher that because we know with the testing that we've done that those normal owner, normal behavior doesn't occur. Now I will tell you just by the design, this pellet grill is a short auger system. That's straight down the middle of the back, which allows our temperatures to recycle faster, which allows us to get up to that 600 degree temperature for searing, caramelizing and everything else. Well, in this day and age of social media, when you have the lids open more and people are taking pictures with you love and they love taking pictures of what they're cooking, the unit's dropping in temperature. And so it's trying to respond saying, okay, we're dropping in temperature. Let's add some more fan and let's add some more pellets. Well, if people are keeping it open five, six minutes, doing what they're doing, they're watching something, the chances of things increasing happen. Now I know just working at Weber, my daughters are five and seven. They know this. If you're seeing a flare up, first thing you do, you close the lid. If you have a kettle grill, first thing you do is shut the damper for 30 seconds. And most likely all that flare up issue is going to go away. And that's the same thing with smoke fire. But 
you know, I think people are just with our, with the caveman in them are enamored by fire and they like looking at it. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, yeah. A two inch by two inch flame is not, not necessarily what I would call a fire. What I would call a fire is something that you would be calling the fire department or an expert and saying, Hey, there's, there's an issue going on here. So, and again, if a grill got to that point, it would shut down and you would have no fan, no fuel, no nothing else. And it would burn out what's inside and it would be gone. And that's one of the safety features that has been built into it, which does make it a safe product for people to use. Is there with this cooker, then a mindset that needs to change where, uh, this is not like every other pellet cooker. You don't have a full size deflector shield to uh, a channel grease down into some type of collection pan and then also not allow you direct access to the flame. Certainly, you have the flavorizer bars, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it is more like a grill than it is a uh, a traditional pellet-style cooker. Yes, it is more of a grill and a pellet-style cooker. And what you have to, I think, look at is back in 1985, well, back when George Stephen originally invented the kettle, he revolutionized the grilling industry back in 1985 when we came out with our original Genesis grill with the flavorizer bar system in it, people thought we were crazy, right? Because back then they used lava rock. Now you want to talk about flare ups and, and fires. They sold spray bottles with water so you could douse out the flames inside of your grill that was occurring on the lava rocks. We went to the flavorizer bars and now that's something you see in almost every grill gas grill that's out in the marketplace. And I think it's going to be interesting in two or three, four years, how much of the grills, how much people look at the way we have our system set up now and start to mimic that in the marketplace, because you can't do that kind of five, 600 degree grilling on things that are out in the marketplace. It just, you just can't do it by design. And so when we looked at the consumer research, when we talked to people, we took those pain points, right? The short auger doesn't get, doesn't have the, a really good chance of it getting jammed, having any of the backfires into the hopper, and so when you look at all that stuff, we just tried to design that grill the Weber way, the Weber performance way with the flavorizer bars, with the low and slow, with the grease management, like the drawer, very similar to our Genesis or Summits or Spirits, where you could just pull the pan out, throw out the grease, throw out the ash and get yourself cooking. So it's one of those things that it, it's the whole cooking system and people need to look at it much differently than you would a pellet grill or a pellet smoker that you've seen out there before this because it is a revolutionary product that it gives you things that you've never been able to do on a pellet grill before. Uh, Kevin, uh, when I had Derek Riches on last week, he made it a point to say that Weber's decision to use flavorizer bars in this cooker wasn't necessarily to break a mold or get away from something that is widely done otherwise amongst all the other pellet cookers. It was simply the fact that flavorizer bars are on hand it would be cost prohibitive for you guys to go out and do something different. So why not just use what you currently have in inventory and make it work for this cooker? Is there any type of a, a truth to that, that it was more cost savings than anything else? No, and anytime that we come up with a new grill, there's not necessarily the, the cost savings, like, well, let's try to do this or let's try to implement this. And, and that's part of some of the, the speculation and the soil that's out there is people's opinions, although I, re, I respect the opinions when you're, when you're designing a grill and back in 85, when we came out with our Genesis and put flavor bars in there, that channel grease away that, you know, give you that smoky flavor back up. Why wouldn't we want to use one of those things that revolutionized the grilling industry in this pellet grill? 
because it is part of the Weber DNA. And that's where I think people have to take a step back and look at this grill that it's not out of convenience. It's out of the DNA of what Weber has designed since 1985 inside of a gas grill. You still see those in our spirit grills. You still see those in our Genesis. You see them in our summit. You see them in our Q grills. That's actually built into the cooking grate. So when we talk about channeling grease and, and smoke flavor and, and flavor profiles and getting that great barbecue flavor, it's something you're going to see in our grills because we know that it works and being in the industry for 60 years, we're going to continue to rely on what has made us so successful. All right, Kevin. So when you get a smoke fire, at least at this point, and I'm sure down the road, it will change out of the box immediately. One must do a firmware update in order to get this cooker to a point where it can actually be used out of the box. Something that you can't just open up, assemble and cook on. Is that correct? Well, for, I mean, for the most part, depending on when you're getting them, the firmware update, making sure the software update is important. And this is where, you know, for a lot of people, they were updating their grills and they were starting to cook. And then once the update started taking over, the cook started to stop because the update was going on. And so what we recommend is you get the grill started, update the grill, which can take you about 15 to 20 minutes, and then get yourself cooking. Because a lot of people get excited. And trust me, I'm one of those guys that just wants to take it out of the box and start cooking but you need to make sure it's updated to the current software so that way you can get up and actually start cooking versus trying to start cooking and then up, updating it, and then all of a sudden the cook stops because the grill's updating itself. So just be patient. Give it the 15, 20 minutes. Get yourself a cold beer, maybe two. Relax. Season your steaks because we all know the salt penetrates in. It gives it a little more flavor. Do that, and then you'll be set and ready to go. If the grill hasn't ever been out before, how come the technology that's on it isn't the most up-to-date why do you have to do an update well i think it's one of those when you look at technology and how it evolves this is just like your iphones right your iphone isn't running the same software package that it had way back when the iphone one was out and so when we look at updates to cook programs because the weber connect really allows for all that right it's a smart grilling hub I, my team tested seven eight hundred different things we data logged how things cook over time we have built-in programs that can tell you when to take your steak off. Like, hypothetically, if you want a medium rare steak at 120, 115, we'll tell you to take it off at 100 to 105 because we know the carryover is about 13 to 17 degrees. And so all that stuff's built in to that Weber Connect. And so we're constantly going to look at evolving this, and you'll probably see updates coming monthly with recipes, with cook programs, probably with features that we haven't even thought about for the smoke fire. Because this grill is going to evolve in the backyard. And again, you know, we weren't a software company before it came out. We're, we're a technology company now. And, you know, do we have a couple missteps? Absolutely. But it's one of those things that for the mass majority of people, they're having a great experience with it. And from our perspective, and you, you hit it on it earlier, we look at the forums, we look at the feedback people are giving us, and we've got such a strong team of people at the office that are looking at how do we make the cooking experience better. And the cool thing about it is on a gas grill, once you buy it, that's the experience. It's really hard to change things with the smoke fire. We're going to be able to evolve this grill over time with updates and things that people are going to be able to cook better. And we're going to be able to adjust how they cook and how we design programs for them to cook by the way that they're cooking. So the cool thing is we're learning the people out there are learning, and together we're going to evolve this process and truly make a you know this cooker revolutionary, which is what it is. One of the things that I'm seeing more and more, it wasn't there initially, but I am seeing it a little bit more, is 
issues at startup or firing up. So uh, for whatever reason, uh, the pot isn't igniting, uh, the grill goes into shutdown mode, it, it never ends up getting going. Is this something that you you guys are seeing more at this point, or is, did it just kind of bubble up and that was the, the latest hot issue over the last handful of days? Well, I mean, it's, it's something that there's, you know, people have talked about the hopper and the, and the pellets falling down is, I'll is get to that. I'll so, get to that. Well, no, I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> there's things that we look at and the, the startup and is it, is it the glow plug? Is it the pellets that people are using? Because that can, that can change the way things are. Could it, you know, if there's a lot of sawdust in the bottom or they run through the bag and they're running through, is that part of it's not cleaning the pellets? So there's, the pellets could be part of it. It could be part of the system. And so, again, these are things that our team is looking at, and you're going to see some updates coming soon that are going to evolve a little bit of that process and take care of some of the things that people are, some of the concerns or things people are having out there that we're going to, we're going to address here in the next couple of weeks that are going to alleviate um, those things and make the cooking experience better. But that's the fun part and the exciting part about this grill is it is going to evolve with how people are using it. Right. And that's, and that's exciting because the people that are having a blast cooking on it, making crazy food, making it look just the way that it should, we're, we're using that feedback and we're helping, it's, it's helping us design it better for the next update and the next update. And that's, you know, we've always listened to consumers. We take our, we take pride in that being, uh, being a manufacturer that does the majority of their stuff here. And, you know, we're always going to, listen to customers. We're always going to listen to what they're saying, see if we can make it better for them. And with this grill, we're able to do that with updates, and that's going to be exciting. Is part of operation with any pellet grill, and I've uh, talked to a few, uh, like actual, uh, some of uh, personal folks that I know that are owning these, that uh, will experience uh, what I call a flame out. So for instance, they're running at, let's say, 275. They want to go to increase the temperature. They come back 10 minutes later, the temperature of the cooker is now at 190 because for whatever reason the fire has gone out. Now it's trying to, to go ahead and reset, and uh, it either shuts all the way down and you have to start back from scratch. Uh, or, uh, for instance, uh, one of my pals had an issue where it, it wasn't shutting back down, but it was continuing to feed. And, you know, all of a sudden, I think he had a little bit of a perfect storm where there was a, a bunch of smoke as it was starting to reignite, and then uh, the pellets caught on fire. Uh, Burned back down after a couple minutes. Uh, certainly didn't shut off like you had mentioned from a safety perspective. But uh, I mean, I've had flame outs in other cookers. Um, is this something that one should expect from time to time that this is going to happen as well? It's not just specific to uh, a Weber smoke fire. Well, no. I mean, it's I, I, again. I'm not. I wasn't at your your friend's house, so I don't know what temperatures were on the inside of the grill. If they were hot enough, um, which is a little bit over 600 degrees, you would have seen it go into shutdown mode if that's what the temperature range hit what i and, and what i don't know is so this is things that we're learning getting into it and people that are, live in the pellet industry understand there could have been a bridge is what they call it or a blockage where the pellets got stuck the auger was feeding there wasn't anything getting fed you open up the grill or that bridge or that that gap released itself and all of a sudden the pellets started going well the unit's shutting itself down and now it's adding pellets to it. So you could have the pellets getting in there snuffing out. And that's something that we didn't see, but it's something that we are seeing because people are using lots of different pellets, which is what we've tested. 
but again, it's hard to understand unless you're sitting in front of them. So these are feed, feedback that we've taken from people passing it back to us that, like I said, in the upcoming weeks, you're going to see um, some updates coming that are going to alleviate some of these things. And it's, it's going to really help with some of the, the issues people are having with the flame outs or the excess uh, pellets getting into the, the burn pot and et cetera. So um, you'll see that coming and it's something that we're going to continually evolve over time and update and truly try to chase uh, the dream of having the perfect cooker. Uh, so the biggest thing that you see right off the bat was the pellet hopper isn't feeding properly and there was it was specific to one side that wasn't feeding down all the way and you weren't you were having to go out uh, you know through random times throughout a longer cook and kind of hand feed the pellets down. So uh, what's the current fix at, at this stage? Well, the, the data that we had gave you about 10 hours. Um, Harry Sue just got done testing his. He said about seven and a half hours he went down and moved it, which I know myself when I'm using my Smoky Mountains at night or my summer charcoal, I make sure I check the fuel before I go to bed just to, just to make sure. The, the slide in the hopper we're addressing, and so we've, we're, there's an insert that's going to be put into the grills getting manufactured for the people that have it, they're going to be able to get one from us and it takes it from about, let's say the 10 to 14 hour mark, you're going to get up to about 14 to 18 hours out of it. So, um, we adjusted that in, you'll lose a little bit on the space of, uh, the pellets, which I think, uh, it was, was, was 22 pounds. It might drop to 20 now. So a full bag. Um, but you're going to definitely increase because of the angle down into the, um, the auger system or the shoot into the auger system into the burn pot. If somebody is not able to get to 600 degrees, what are your suggestions? Suggestions would be make sure your firmware is up to date. Uh, it could be a shoot issue. It could be the auger issue. It could, you know, it's, it's funny, Greg, I was in Florida. This is early on in my career when Jim Steven, whose, whose father founded, the business created a position for me doing product training. And I was down in Florida doing troubleshooting on a grill. It was a summit and I c it couldn't get up to temperature. It was sitting at 400 degrees. And I'm thinking it's bypass, which is the safety feature built into the regulator. So I'm sitting there. I couldn't figure it out. And after about 50 minutes, it finally clicked to my, my head. I'm like, maybe the thermometer is bad or maybe it's not registering correctly. So some of not getting the 600 could be attributed to the actual probe, not working correctly. But it is one of those things for the people that are having it out, having problems out there. We have a new shoot and auger system um, that we've been passing to consumers. I think also with the update that's going to be coming in mid-March-ish um, or in a couple of weeks should address some of that too. And so the five to 600 degrees, the 600 degrees w will be addressed. Um, but it's one of those things that's hard to say. It could be could be partially pellets. It could be the software. It could be the auger system. And so, you know, the, the, the challenge with us is for, for a pellet grill, our customer service people work tirelessly trying to make sure that they take care of customers. And I know, cause I've started in customer service way back in the day and worked my way up through Weber that it's simple to diagnose a gas grill or a charcoal grill, right? It's not many questions to help that with mm -hmm. pellet grilling. It's, it's really increased the amount of time they want to talk through consumers and try to figure out and decipher what's wrong. And so those calls could be 25, 30, 35 minutes because they really have to break down what exactly is it, the, is it a mechanical issue or is it actually the software issue? And so 
it's one of those things we're, 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 we're learning that. And, and I give a lot of credit to our customer service team because they've spent tireless hours training with us and, and, and spending time with consumers on the phone and making sure that they're getting um, the level of service they deserve being a Weber person. But we're learning through this process. We understand people are having um, some issues and concerns. And again, as, as, a, as, a, as a company that has prided themselves on customer service, we will always be there for our customers. We will always take care of them. Uh, like we should, and and that's something that makes me proud to to say I work for Weber. Is there a truth to videos showing that the right, if we're looking at the grill, Kevin, that the right side of the cooker runs hotter than the left side? I think you'll see some some differential in frame uh, temperature. Right. Uh, usually, what I would say is on that grill, you see about a twenty five to to 30 degree differential between like one hotspot to another. The interesting thing that I would say is, and it's kind of mind boggling because when we had, you know, you, you've hit in a little bit on the influencer event we had here in um, November, I had steaks across the whole smoke fire grill. This was not a prototype grill. This was straight out of the box sitting there. And I had a bunch of strip steaks on there and I flipped every single one. And yeah, you would say the right side was a little bit hotter, but they all had the same kind of browning and marking on it. And I think that has to do with the fan on the inside. So just because the great temperature is telling you one spot is going to be hotter than the other, to us, it's more about the browning across the whole grate. And the other thing that I would say too, with when you look at pellets, right? So the, when, a, when a pellet, especially a Weber pellet combusts, it takes about four minutes. And so what I would tell people is when they get up to that 550, 600 degree temperature they're looking at, give it four or five minutes just to equalize itself because it was roaring to get up there and then eventually starts to pull back when it starts getting close to there. But I would give it a couple extra minutes just to equalize. And that lessens the amount of un, you know, the, the hotspot that you might call more towards on the right side. But when it comes to caramelizing and, and browning meat and burgers and steaks that you put across it, you really don't see too much of a difference between the right and the left. What do we know about ash not falling through the burn pot as originally pitched back in November? Uh, is it is it really happening the way that you said it was going, or are there some issues that are keeping it from performing as advertised? So can you be a little more specific? So you're saying that when well, so, the um, pellets are falling into the burn pot, and then they're staying in the burn pot. They're not falling through. Right. So there's the perforated bottom of the burn pot, and those were supposed to fall through into the collection pan, and uh, they weren't going to, you know, get the. I guess when we were talking in November, you said there wasn't going to be, you know, uh, near as much uh, fly ash circulating around the food because it had the opportunity to fall through the bottom of that burn pot. So you're definitely seeing, I mean, we, we, we saw a substantial decrease in the amount of ash falling around the inside of that barrel. And so that grate helps push the ash down, right? Also that diffuser that sits over the burn pot pushes that ash down. The flavorizer bar, the larger one above pushes that stuff down. And so you might see ash in the barrel and you might see ash in the tray, but you see a substantial decrease in the ash anywhere else that you're going to find on the grill. And that was the most important for us. And so again, the shop bag days are over where we hand, we have a plastic scraper in there where to scrape the ash down into the bottom of the barrel, down into the grease system, pull it out, dump it. 
that's where the majority of your ash is sitting and it's not sitting on your food. And the experts that have tested that, that you look at their feedback, they're really surprised that they don't see more ash flying around the cooker like you would see on traditional pellet grills, but that's because of that diffuser system that's above the hot pot so it's, or the burn pot. So it's not just about that fuel grate that drops the ash down, but it's also the diffuser that pushes it down and the flavor as bar on top pushing it back down. All right, let's talk about the recommendation of drip pans, especially if you're going to be cooking, let's say, pork butts or briskets or bigger, fattier pieces. Uh, there was posting about, oh, there was never made any reference, and then if you go back through the literature, there does appear to be suggestions from Weber in the, the paper manuals saying if you're going to do this, you would want to use uh, drip trays. What is the, the right way to go about it? Well, the, the, the interesting thing is, and so every Weber grill is designed that you don't need to use grease trays or drip pans, right? So you have our charcoal grills. You don't have to use them inside there if you're doing pork butts or brisket. Our gas grill is the same way. Um, but we know, and I know, the least favorite thing for me to do, besides run out of beer when I'm barbecuing, is clean my grill, right? No one likes to do that. It's the thing that like, oh God, I got to clean this thing out. And so the worst. you don't have to use them on, on, on your smoke fire, but it's going to make your life easier when it comes to cleaning. And it's going to make your life a heck of a lot easier with the grease management because they're going to go into there. Now, is it going to change the performance? Is it going to change anything else? Absolutely not. It was designed to not have them in there, but so was our kettle grills and so was our gas grills. But it's one of those things that we know that people don't like to spend time cleaning for sure. And so putting them in there alleviates that problem, right? And so you can use it, you can don't. And I'm sure you probably watched Terry's video where he, he cooked 65 pounds of brisket, beef ribs, and pork shoulder, filled up the whole bottom of the grease tray and had no real issue with grease or ash anywhere. And so when it's used the right way and you're following what you're supposed to be doing, the girl cooks like a charm, but that's some of the hard, you know, the, the stuff that we're looking at is how people are using it and how they're actually getting those jokes. Are they cleaning it every time? Are they, you know, how, how are they cooking? You, you just don't see, and I'm not placing the blame on people out there because people like to cook the way that they cook. And we need to evolve the process of that, which we're going to do with, with having the Wi-Fi and, and the controller so we can update those things. But when it's used the right way, I mean, it, it, it cooks, it cooks like something I've never been able to cook on before. I mean, is it is it on Weber as a company where if you guys feel that this cooker is performing as it should, it is being presented exactly the way you guys thought it would be, and if other people are having an, a problem with it because they're not using it the way you are dictating it to be used successfully – it's not necessarily fair for them to then come back and say, well, Weber's made a steaming pile of shit here because I can't put on all this pork butt or whatever and expect to not have potentially bad issues because or, or bad results because they're not using it the way you're saying that they should use it because they don't want to use it the way you're saying to use it. Correct. I think it's, it's one of those things that, again, safety being the most important part of what we do when we design grills because we want people to have the best possible experience in their backyards. We want them to use them per the instructions, right? And that's where following those and using best practices when you cook barbecue is always important. Now people are going to do what they want to do and it's hard to understand the hows and the whys, 
but we as a company can evolve this grill through that controller, which is going to allow us to, to help with some of that. Right. And so you can say people like a kettle grill, I can go cook on my kettle. My, again, my, I love using my five and seven year old because they know how to cook the right way. Cause they've learned from dad, but they know to keep the lids down. There's some people that cook their burgers and their steaks with the lid off because there's people that have told them, well, if you cook with the lid off, you flip it every 30 seconds, that's the best way to go. So the bush doesn't get out and blah, blah, There's So there's a lot of different methodologies out there that people use. But when you do that, you're going to create more flare up and you're going to create more things. And so that's where you can go off of what you want, or you can go off of how we're, how we want to instruct you and how to get the best results and how to be safe doing it. And that's where we're always going to sit is designing a product that is going to give you crazy, amazing barbecue results and be safe to be in your backyard, to be able to cook anything that you want. Is there any recommendation? This is something that I've just seen over the last handful of days. Should you not be using this grill if it's 30 degrees or below? Is there a temperature restriction? There isn't a temperature restriction, which is funny because you've seen some feedback that people have given. Um, and I have a friend on Instagram, Brooklyn Scott, which, you know, he, he got his up and running and it was minus 25 degrees in Canada when he was cooking. And he was like, this thing is cooking this brisket. I don't have to do anything. I'm sitting inside. And so he had an amazing, so that it's not the temperature, you know, people want to, want to speculate on that. It, it, minus 25 degrees. If you're cooking and it's maintaining itself, it, it, when used the right way, it's going to provide you some pretty amazing results. And we're in Chicago. I mean, you guys are in Cleveland, so you're not far off of the weather pattern. It gets extremely cold here and it gets extremely snowy here. And that's something that we looked at and tested in and we know that it operates. And so the speculation of the cold temperatures or it can't work in, in, in certain temperatures um, it, it isn't something that we're finding, especially at the 30 degree mark, not even close. All right, Kevin. So that's pretty much all the questions uh, that I had for you that I was able to glean from a bunch of these forums. So as we start to close it up here, and I appreciate you spending, uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes or, or more here as we're uh, trolling uh, or rolling through these, uh, trolling on the brain uh, as we roll through these. So um, I guess as, as we start to close it out here, is there anything that you would like to say uh, more or less on Weber's behalf to the folks that will listen to this if they have one? If they're going to be encountering problems, how would you like to address that? Well, well, number one, Greg, I was looking forward to getting uncomfortable, and I'm actually like really comfortable. I got my feet up right now. I'm actually enjoying this interview, so I look forward to coming back because <laughs> it's been pretty comfortable. Uh, what I would tell people, if, I mean, from, from the Weber side, if they have a smoke fire grill or a Weber gas grill or a charcoal grill or even our electric grills, if you're having issues, our customer service people are there seven days a week. We're in Palatine, Illinois. Um, we're always going to answer the phone. We're always going to help you walk through the problems. If you have a smoke fire grill, and, and I've helped countless people um, with them, with, with direct messages and everything else, and it's been fun to, to get back to my roots of, of how I started in customer service. And, you know, this grill is going to evolve. And you're going to see some of that over the next couple of weeks and months. And, there you're going to see a lot more excitement than you are now because the trolls really aren't going to have much to say because the people that are cooking are going to be doing the majority of the talking. And, and that's going to be exciting to see because it truly is a, 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 a revolutionary product because it's not a traditional pellet smoker. 
It's not designed that way. It was designed to be a grill and a smoker. And, you know, like I said, when I was talking to Max about it, it was, he was just shocked by the performance of it. He was shocked by, this is not like anything I've cooked on before. And it needs, you need time to learn it. You need time to understand how it responds and how you cook on it. And that's just goes for any pit that you have. It could be a smoky mountain. It could be a summer charcoal or a gas grill. You, you need to spend time to understand it. Um, but most importantly, from, from a company standpoint, we we've been so excited to see the impact that this has made, um, in the category and, and, and in, in, in the barbecue community, because people that have not cooked, um, are having a great time. I've seen more women cooking in forums and posting than I've seen before. And that's another great thing about the pellet industry is it allows, you know, I think a, a, an entry barrier to, to, to having women cook more. And that's exciting for me having two daughters and not, you know, having a son that they have, they have barbecues and grills that they're going to be able to use. So it's an exciting time. And, um, we're excited about the product, but again, we're always going to listen to our consumers. We're always going to pay attention to what they're saying, and we're going to utilize that information to create better girls for them. All right, Kevin, here's the most uncomfortable question of the night. When am I getting my <laughs> free Weber smoke fire in Cleveland? Give me an exact date. So, Greg, if you take a free smoke... If you take a free smoke fire, you're going to have to say that Weber gave me a free smoke fire. Now, I have no problem getting you a smoke fire to use. I would be honored. Matter of fact, I would be honored to come out and actually do a first cook with you. I know it might be a little difficult to have me in your backyard looking over your shoulder, but you know, I think, I think we could work something out. Uh, that's not specific enough. We got to get uncomfortable. Give me a date. Um, I would say mid-March. By the time we get it ordered, by the time we get it ordered and shipped out to you. All right. And you know me, I'm, I mean, it has I'm to go, happy. It has to, to go in a truck. It can't. It can't go in a UPS truck that you know just drops it off at your house or a FedEx truck. It's got to yeah. go on a on a big old sixteen wheeler. So, but we will get you one. I it, would say mid March. This isn't where we try and turn around. You give me the free grill in exchange for like a free Peterbilt or something like that, right? Oh, dang! I think I see what's going on here. Oh my goodness! I think I just got schnookered. No, 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 Greg. I think I think I would rather take the hundred day dry aged steaks than I would rather take the Peterbilt because I'm not a good stick driver. I'd probably blow the transmission, the engine, getting down the block, and then I'd be on the blog. This thing can't drive itself. It's, there's something wrong with it. This truck's bad. So no doubt. No I'll doubt. I'll just take the hundred day. I'll take the hundred day dry aged steaks, and we'll call it even. All right, uh, Kevin Coleman is the director of brand education, Weber's Grill Master, and has stayed here for at least forty five, maybe fifty minutes answering all of the questions that I have curated through a bunch of the different Facebook groups, uh, mostly trying to take Weber to task here. And uh, here we go. So if you have any issues or questions going forward, you know where to go, Weber.com, hit up their customer service, and uh, they will continue to perform what they do best, which is serve the customer. In the meantime, Kevin, where are you going to be at uh, here over the next handful of weeks from an appearance standpoint? So we're, we're, we're going to be going to Las Vegas. We have some stuff going on there. And also we've got a pretty cool event coming up in April, the 23rd, 24th, 25th. So the 23rd, we're taking over the Weber Grill restaurant with Tuffy Stone, Charlie McKenna, Harry Sue, uh, Deuce Raymond, Sue Baby Ray's nephew, mm-hmm. Nick Lau from Dilo up in Canada, Russell Ragles, John Brotherton from Texas. Wow. So we're going to do a seven to 10 course meal for people. We're doing a barbecue camp going to be crazy uh, and i'll actually be i think in columbus teaching the barbecue science class there that we 
help co-instruct here in the middle of April. So a lot of cool things going on. All right. Uh, Kevin Coleman is right here answering the questions. Uh, Kevin, really appreciate the extended time tonight and uh, all the answers. Appreciate it so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Greg, thanks again for having us on, and yes, mid-March. All right. All right. You're on record. There he is. (laughs) Kevin Coleman. Just got uncomfortable, Kevin. Now you got to deliver. Yeah, I mean... For as uncomfortable as that question was, uh, you know, I'm certainly not serious. Uh Okay, let's see how we go from here. Kevin Coleman, Weber.com. Plenty to react to as you roll through the chat. Let me quickly uh, take a quick peek here. All right, fair enough. Quick check of the emails. We're good there. Backyard barbecue show. How many pellet things you going to have now? All right. Well, let's quickly go over that. Traeger Timberline 850. There's a choice Jim Bowie. There's the choice Daniel Boone. There's a prime Daniel Boone. And then uh, if the Weber happens, that would be five pellet cookers. There's also a Lang 36-inch offset. There's an Art Flame. There's a Weber Gasser that was... Given to me free by Weber. How dare you? I think that's it. Everything else that I don't use has been gifted out to folks around my general area that are fans of Live Fire Cook. All right, thanks again to Kevin Coleman, Weber's Grill Master, Weber.com for joining me, and we will wrap it up. Stick around, be right back. Whole Packers, full racks, legs and thighs. Injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, we are back and we are long as we head half past 11 on Tuesday. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smoke Sheet, a free weekly newsletter that keeps you up to speed on everything happening in the barbecue world, including top news, events, recipes, and more. Started by Ryan Cooper, barbecue tourist, and Sean Ludwig, NYC BBQ on social media. Both of them traveling around the country to find the best barbecue and news, then report on it. You can sign up for the newsletter and see the full events on their barbecue calendar at bbqnewsletter.com. That's bbqnewsletter.com. A great all-in-one resource covering the live fire industry. Go ahead and give it a sub. bbqnewsletter.com. Great. Let's beat it out of here so I can get this show up in 30 minutes, at least for the first hour, and get everybody up to speed on the podcast. All the way back in the first hour, it was Malcolm Reed from Killer Hogs. On his way back tomorrow with his brand new competition trailer. Going to have to try that Mississippi po' boy that he was talking about as well at the end of that segment. Also, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Loving restaurant life still. Pellets are a thing, according to Ray. Even last year they were. He's also the spoke chef for the National Turkey Federation. And Big Green Egg and Ray have... Called it a day after a 17-year partnership. Second hour, Sam the Cooking Guy. And closing it out for almost an hour on his own, Kevin Coleman from Weber. 
Big show planned for you next week. As always, Meathead will be in. We'll probably get some more smoke fire review as uh, we sit through another news cycle on that. As well as other iTeams. I believe we might have a rejoin of one Andy Husbands, who I fell in love with on Hell's Kitchen back with it. September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Michigan Embedded Correspondent John Solberg, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show.